Let's jump into the message this morning, the gospel according to Matthew. Today, a leper and a soldier. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 through 13. Matthew 8, 1 through 13. You know, in our series introduction a couple of weeks ago, you may remember one of the observations that we made about the gospel of Matthew was that it was written by a Jewish author, Matthew, uh, to a Jewish audience to help his Jewish audience understand that Jesus was their Jewish Messiah. Of course, he's everybody's Messiah, but he was, he was particularly trying to help the Jewish audience understand Jesus was their promised Messiah. We also talked about the fact that Matthew goes out of his way to help his fellow Jews understand that God loves everyone. Uh, Jews and Gentiles, male and female, no matter who you are, righteous and righteous and unrighteous, Jesus died for everyone, all Jews, all Gentiles, or non-Jews. That was a big deal for this Jewish audience. Throughout the gospel, uh, the, the Matthew, uh, de- uh, uh, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew demonstrates how Jesus loved those whom the Jews considered outsiders. Remember we talked about the outsiders that first lesson. Uh, And these were people who Jews were often taught to avoid or even hate as they were growing up. In the intro lesson, we saw how Matthew included in his genealogy of Jesus's human family in chapter one, uh, Matthew included several women or mothers. In a Jewish genealogy, you hardly ever included women in a, it was a patriarchal uh, community uh, that's just the way it was and so you only included men in a genealogy Matthew includes some women some mothers and some of those uh, and were Gentiles and and a couple of them were prostitutes <laughs> and uh, and and so these were people that he didn't have to put in there you know, he could have just done a, 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 a normal genealogy of just the guys, uh, and he didn't have to put these controversial um, Gentile and, and uh, questionable character women. But, but he wanted to show them, hey, Jesus' ancestry includes outsiders, people that aren't like you. Uh, in his Sermon on the Mount that we talked a little bit about last week, Jesus calls us to love our enemies, even pray for them. In today's lesson, we see some real examples of Jesus practicing what he preached, what he's preached so far, loving and accepting outsiders, Uh, examples that he was calling his audience and you and I to follow, to love outsiders. Jesus knew that loving outsiders was going to be a challenge for the Jews, for the Jewish audience, um, uh, because they They've been taught not to ever have anything to do with outsiders. And so that's going to be a challenge for them. And guess what? Sometimes it's a challenge for us, too, to, to love and embrace people that are different from us and from uh, uh, other places and other communities. Um, <clears throat> so the first outsider that Jesus encounters is a leper. Let's read uh, Jesus' encounter with this leper on this day. And it's uh, verses 1 through 4. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. 
Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, lepers were people uh, that no Jew uh, or Greek, for that matter, (laughs) or a Gentile, um, wanted to be around. You didn't want to be around a leper uh, back in the first century. Uh, Leprosy was was and is a horrible disease uh, that slowly eats away at your body until it kills you. And it starts with the extremities. People that had leprosy, eventually you would lose your fingers and your toes and your ear and your ears and your nose, and they would just shrivel up and fall off, and eventually it would kill you. And it was also contagious. Now, I don't know how contagious <clears throat> it was. It might not have been as contagious as everybody thought it was, but it, but it was contagious. Um, so uh, the solution in the first century for, for lepers was to just isolate them, just send them away from everybody else to their own little communities, their own little colonies. Uh, and they were encouraged to stay there. And if they did ever venture out from their colony, uh, they were required to shout out, unclean, unclean. Uh, whenever they encountered someone so that they could be warned and get out of the way. Um, People were afraid of lepers, as you can imagine. Uh, And uh, they treated them horribly. They would throw stones at them uh, if if they saw them. They would speak and say horrible things to them, uh, letting them know that they just were not welcome in a normal society. No one would ever think of coming near a leper, much less touch one. So Jesus turns this fear and this horrible treatment of lepers upside down when a leper had the courage to approach Jesus one day for some help. Uh, And no doubt he had heard about how Jesus had been healing the sick. Um, If there was any hope for this man, Jesus was it. You know, today my understanding is that there is a cure for leprosy. I'm not sure if it's antibiotics or what exactly it is that they, they use, but it can be cured. Well, it, it, it could not be cured back in the first century. I mean, it was terminal, and, and uh, that, was your, that was your expectation of life. You were going to die of this disease. And so if there was any hope for this man, it was Jesus. So he asked Jesus to make him clean if he was willing. Now, with a large crowd watching, <laughs> probably gasping, <gasps> And standing far back from the man, from the leper, Jesus did what no one in the crowd would dare to do. He touched him. He touched him. And no doubt when he did that, the crowd gasped again. And they took another step back, and they were whispering, Did you see what he did? He touched him. He touched him. Jesus touched him, and then he healed him. Completely clean of this horrible disease like a newborn baby. And then he tells the man, don't tell anyone. Now, throughout the Gospels, we see this, don't tell anyone, or sometimes he says, go tell everybody. Uh, The the next story we're going to see in a couple of weeks, uh, he said, go tell everybody. But for this man, don't tell anyone. We'll talk about why he said that uh, in a later lesson. But, uh, But he tells him, don't tell everyone, don't tell anyone, but do go to the priests, show yourself to them, so that they can uh, declare you clean. And then, he, if, once the, the, the priest declared him clean, then he could officially re-enter society. Um, 
people would accept him back once the priest said, okay, you're clean, you're good. Sort of like having a, a vaccine card in New York City. If you want to go to a restaurant, uh, you, you, gotta, you can't get in if, unless you have your vaccine card. Well, back in those days, if you had leprosy uh, or any kind of thing, that, any kind of condition that made you unclean, if you wanted to re-enter society, the priest had to declare you uh, clean. So what was the lesson here uh, from, this, from this guy, this outsider? Well, it was love your neighbor as yourself, and your neighbor includes lepers. <laughs> yep, lepers. Now, that, that didn't mean loving your, lep- your leper. Loving lepers, uh, loving lepers didn't mean that you had to go out and hug them. You know, all right, go out and hug a leper today. Uh, you know, that wouldn't be very smart. I mean, just like today, if you have COVID and you're at home in quarantine, you know, you don't need to go over there and hug them. Uh, that, that, that's, that's dangerous and, and, and not required. Um, Jesus could touch this man because he's Jesus, right? And he was going to heal him, and he did heal him. Um, but to love a leper didn't mean you had to hug them, but it did mean that you should be kind to them. Uh, don't treat them like trash. Uh, don't neglect them. Treat them with respect. Um, maybe, maybe you do have to be separated from them uh, because it is contagious, but in doing so, make them comfortable. Give them a nice place to live and nice food to eat and, and clothing to wear. Uh, pray for them. Uh, let them know that they're loved and that they're valuable. Things that the Jewish people of that day or anybody of that day did not do. You know, homelessness uh, is, a, is ravaging our nation today, um, especially in some of our big cities like San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York, uh, you've seen the, the pictures of all the streets that are lined with tents and, and the parks. Um, and, and one of the main causes of homelessness, uh, this homeless epidemic, is not just people hard on their luck. Hard, you know, there are a handful probably that, well, I got laid off and now I'm homeless. But most of the homeless epidemic is caused by mental illness, and a lot of that is caused by drug addiction. Um, and, and thus, they are, they are, all they can do is just live on the street. I saw an interview with a homeless guy in San Francisco the other day, and he, he was from Alabama, and he came to, to, to San Francisco, um, and one of the reporters asked him, well, how do, you, how do you support your drug addiction? And he said, petty theft. Just rob stores and rob people, and that's how I, you know, that, that's what's going on in some of these big cities. Um, Today, when it comes to the homeless situation, there are two extreme responses to this homeless problem. The first, one of them is, well, just ignore it. Just ignore it. Just, just let them do what they want to do. Um, you know, we, wanna, we don't want to offend them or, or, or talk bad about them or put them, make them uncomfortable. So just ignore it. Just let them take over the sidewalks. Let them take over the parks. Um, let them rob the stores and, and litter the streets with, with used needles and, and their, 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 uh, their waste. Um, and, and because we love them. We love them. So just let them do what they want to do and don't bother them. Uh, love them by enabling them. Enabling them. You know, enabling destructive behavior of any kind never helps. It always, always makes it worse. 
And so that extreme is not helpful. The other extreme is much like the way the Jews treated the lepers. Um, Just get rid of them. Just get rid of them. Uh, We want our streets back. We want our parks back. We want the needles and the filth cleaned up and and to disappear. Uh, So I don't know. Load them on a bus. Take them out to the desert and dump them out there. I don't care. Uh, we, We just don't want that problem in our cities anymore. And as usual is the case... Whenever you, do, whenever you have an extreme response to anything, that's usually the wrong response. <laughs> that's usually the wrong response. Both extremes are destructive for the homeless. But what is the solution? You know, anybody, got, anybody got the solution? Um, what is the solution? How can we help people like this who are in such great need of help? Well, and, and not just the homeless, not just the homeless, that's just one example that I want to share, that I'm sharing today, but not just the homeless or drug, the drug addict, but anyone who might have any number of hurts, habits, or hang-ups. Anybody that's suffering and dealing with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Well, while I, we, you and I can't solve the nation's homeless or drug addiction problem here at Stony Brook, uh, in, in San Francisco or Los Angeles. Uh, you know what? Maybe we can help a few people in our community, uh, help them make better choices in their life by offering them a couple of things, a savior and some basic tools in their life that could help them recover from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Whether it's addiction or maybe it's depression or anger or the trauma that results from domestic abuse. Next week, I'm going to introduce to you a ministry that we plan to start soon called Celebrate Recovery. Now, I hope you'll plan to be here next week because it's going to be uh, the, the message and uh, much of our service is going to center around introducing this program. Um, uh, and I hope you'll come and you'll learn what the program is all about and, and perhaps consider... Uh, as, as you learn about it, uh, joining us as a volunteer to help some of our neighbors recover from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. The key is love, but the right kind of love, the right kind of love. So plan to be back next week. We're going to talk about Celebrate Recovery. Well, Jesus went against the society norm And he reached out in love to a true outsider, a leper. He not only healed his body, but he treated him like someone who had value by simply loving him. The next story that Matthew tells involves another outsider. Uh, This time it's a Gentile centurion, a a Roman military officer. Let's read this account uh, beginning with verse 5. Of chapter 8. When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and, and, I, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. 
When Jesus heard this, he was amazed and said to those following him, Truly I tell you, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. You know, perhaps people who had just witnessed the Jesus touching the leper and healing the leper, you know, while they may have been grossed out at the idea of touching a leper, I can hear some of them saying perhaps, well, at least he's Jewish. <laughs> uh, so when they followed Jesus into Capernaum, which was a town nearby the hill uh, uh, where Jesus had been teaching, the crowd was even more shocked probably when Jesus stopped to talk to a Roman centurion, a Gentile. Talk about disgusting. Uh, uh, Jews did not associate with lepers because they were unclean, they, they believed. Uh, but they did not associate with Gentiles because they were dogs. <laughs> not only was this man a Gentile, but he was a Roman soldier. Part of that oppressive government of Rome that, that overtaxed them and was constantly har harassing them and abusing them. They were evil, worthless, pagan people who the Jews believed God hated as much as they did. <laughs> if you are a Jew, you do not associate with Gentiles, especially a Roman soldier Gentile. <laughs> Jesus turns their world upside down, though, as he stops to listen to this man who came to him for help. The man came to ask Jesus to heal his servant who was paralyzed and suffering. We, maybe, probably, he got, fell, fell off of something or had some kind of accident and maybe a damage to his spinal cord or something, but he was paralyzed and suffering from that. Now, why would this Roman soldier come to Jesus? Well, Jesus had been healing many people in that area from some pretty serious diseases uh, up to that time. People who were blind, uh, people who were crippled, people who had terminal diseases, uh, people uh, who had all kinds of circumstances, of health circumstances, uh, were completely healed by Jesus as if they had never been sick at all or had any kind of issue at all. Um, the centurion probably may have known some of these people who had been healed as he's uh, serving in that area. Uh, he saw people maybe who had been physically disabled all their life one day, and then the next day, they're walking around <laughs> like, like, like they, nothing had ever happened. Uh, maybe he asked one of them, hey, you, you, yesterday you were blind, and, and, and now you, you can see what happened. How, how, how did this happen? And maybe they told him, well, this guy Jesus, he, he healed me. He healed me. Maybe this centurion even saw Jesus heal some people. Um, and those healings could not be denied. The centurion knew that if there was any hope for his servant uh, to recover from his injuries, like the leper, it was Jesus 
Jesus was his only hope, or his, his servant was going to be paralyzed for the rest of his life and probably die. So this powerful military leader, leader humbled himself and went to see the one man that he had decided could help. The centurion was a Gentile. So, uh, uh, you know, he was not hampered by the Jewish stubbornness that kept many of the Jewish leaders from believing in Jesus. Now, they just would not, not going to believe in him. I'm not, I don't care how many people he healed. I'm not going to believe in him. Um, uh, they saw the healings, but would not believe. In fact, uh, they would attribute Jesus' power to heal to Satan. <laughs> they would not give the credit to, to God. But the centurion was not affected by this closed-minded attitude uh, that many of the Jews had. In fact, Romans were always opening to welcoming, welcoming a new God <laughs> to their pantheon of gods. You know, they believed in all, they had hundreds of gods, maybe thousands of gods. And, and uh, hey, come on, all gods are welcome. Uh, so he didn't have any problem with adding uh, a new God to his world. Um, uh, and, and the thing about Jesus was, uh, 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 as compared to his, all those other gods that he worshipped, um, this, man, this man Jesus actually could do what he said he could do. <laughs> Something the Roman gods never could do. So the man approached Jesus and told him that his servant was paralyzed and, and was in dire strait. Um, and he didn't even ask for anything. He just told him, hey, this is going on with my servant. Jesus went, though, right to where the centurion hoped that he would, and he asked the man, shall I come and heal him? Is that what you're asking for, uh, sir, uh, for me to come and heal your, your servant? Well, of course, that's what he was hoping for. Uh, uh, but here we see this man's faith in Jesus' ability to help him uh, by comparing Jesus to his own authority as a soldier, as a centurion. Now, this man, this Roman centurion, uh, had great authority in his position. He had soldiers. He had servants under him whom he could command to do anything at all. Uh, and, and whatever he commanded, they would have to do it no matter what. And if for some reason one of them did not obey his command, um, no doubt he had the ability to punish them. He may even have the, the, the authority to execute them if they didn't obey. So he had power. He had authority. But even though he had this great power, this man understood uh, just from observing what Jesus had done that Jesus had even more power than him. The centurion could command a soldier or a servant, yeah, but Jesus could command a disease to be healed, a bone to be healed, a spinal cord to be healed, eyes to see again. No Roman centurion could do that. This man believed that Jesus had the power and the authority to heal his servant's body. And he was so impressed by Jesus' authority that he felt unworthy for Jesus to even come to his house. And you know what? Jesus was impressed with him too. Very impressed, in fact. Uh, verse 10, truly, Jesus said, I tell you, I have, found, I have not found anyone in Israel with such great faith. Hmm. And then Jesus took that opportunity to, to shake up the Jews a little bit more. 
uh, by observing, uh, by, as they were observing what was going on. Verse 11, I say to you that many will come from the east and from the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, I, I would imagine that the centurion probably had no clue what Jesus was talking about when he said that. Like, who's Abraham? Who's Isaac? Jacob? You know, he, he, might, he may not have ever even heard of those three guys uh, and the kingdom of God and all that. But you know what? The Jews who heard it, they knew exactly what he was talking about. Uh, remember, uh, we're talking to a Jewish audience. That's what Matthew's all about. Um, so, people from the east... And the West, you know who they were? They were Gentiles, Persians, Romans. They're the ones that are going to be coming. And they're going to be sitting down at the table of Israel in the kingdom of God with everybody else. And you know what? On top of that, some of the current subjects of the kingdom, some Jews, they're going to, be, they're going to become the outsiders because they're going to be thrown out. Now, <laughs> that was blasphemy to the Jews to speak like that especially to the Jewish leaders who would hear him say things like that. That fueled their anger at Jesus and their desire to silence him for good. That, those are the kind of things that led to his arrest and crucifixion. They thought Gentiles are they're worthless animals who do not deserve anything from God or from us. And for Jesus to place value on them, boy, that can't be accepted. Well, Jesus was indeed a man of ultimate authority. He was the Son of God. And if he says Gentiles will be welcome into the kingdom of God, uh, if he says that, that we, we should love them, just, just no matter who they are, then it's settled, folks. It's settled. There is no discussion. There's no more arguing about it. If Jesus said it, then, it, then it's true. And we must accept it. God accepts and loves everyone, Jew and Gentile, male and female, no matter who you are or where you come from, you are loved by God. All human beings are precious to him. Jesus would die for this Roman centurion. And he would die for the Gentile servant that he would heal. And for the Jews that opposed him, and wanted to kill him, guess what? He's going to die for them too. He's going to die for them too. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that moment. The centurion's faith, his belief that Jesus was a man of authority and power convinced Jesus to do what the centurion had hoped that he would do. He healed him. And he didn't touch him like he touched the leper. Uh, now he did it by remote control. Uh, he just said, let it be done. And it was done. It was done. When, when the centurion got home, you know, his servant's up, uh, what can I do for you, sir? Walking around because he's healed. Then the, the centurion, uh, uh, you know, we, we, wanna, we wonder if the centurion understood who Jesus was. Did he grasp uh, at that moment, that Jesus was his Savior? Uh, that, that Jesus was going to save him from his sins? 
Probably not. Probably not at that moment. Um, hopefully he did later when, when Jesus' ultimate purpose was made known, you know, after his death, burial, and resurrection. Um, it, because a lot, that's when it became clear to everybody, even the apostles. Uh, so, so the centurion probably didn't understand that Jesus was his savior. But you know what? The centurion did recognize Jesus' power and authority. And that was enough to convince him to trust Jesus. Shouldn't we be the same way? Shouldn't we be the same way? You and I know so much more about Jesus than the centurion did or the Jews or uh, all, the, all the folks during that time. Uh, we know exactly who he is uh, and why he came and what he did for us. We know, we know exactly uh, what Jesus is, our Savior, he died for our sin. We know that, that, that he not only performed miracles and healed physical sicknesses when he was here on earth, but even more, even more, you and I know that he provided a way for us to be healed from our sin, from our sin. He provided a way for the sin that, that separates us from God for eternity to be removed. And, and he gives us a promise of being with God for eternity because of that. We know so much more than the centurion knew. So shouldn't we trust Jesus even more than he did? Shouldn't we trust his teaching when we read through the Gospels? When Jesus tells us that, that our lives will be better, will be happier, will be more satisfied, if we will just resist the desires of our flesh and doing the things we want to do and, and just live our ways our lives the way God calls us to live them? Shouldn't we trust him and just do it his way? Which includes the way we treat our neighbor, especially those neighbors who are outsiders, who are different from us. You know, Jesus is ready to welcome anyone to his table in his kingdom, anyone and everyone. Shouldn't we welcome them too? Shouldn't we see every individual that we encounter in our day uh, as, we're, as we're going to the store and at work and just uh, with our families? Uh, sh shouldn't we, as we encounter people in our lives, look at them the way God looks at them as precious souls that Jesus died for? The lady at the drive-thru at McDonald's, the, the checkout cashier at Food Lion, our coworker that, that sits across the room. Um, you know, if we would do that, think of people, not, a, not as somebody that can serve you or do something for you. Uh, if we were to think of them the way God thinks of them, uh, we would be less likely to ignore them or to forget them or to avoid them. We'd be more likely to reach out to them, for, to help them if they have a need. Maybe we can't heal their sickness, and we can't, but we can love them. We can help them find healing for their soul by introducing them to the one who can heal them, who can give them hope and purpose. Let's learn from the man with leprosy and the Roman soldier. And like them, trust Jesus and his teaching and make it our mission in life to be like him, 
to be like him, to, to treat others the way he treated them. How do we do that? How do, how do we become like Jesus? Well, first, we've got to know Jesus. We've got to know who he is and, and what he taught. Um, so we do that by reading his word. By reading the Gospel of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John uh, and, the, reading, and, the, and the, the passages that the apostles wrote and, and, and the other parts of the New Testament. We hear Jesus, read it and hear Jesus' words. See and hear his life lessons. This is how you live your life. This is how I want you to live your life. And then applying those lessons to our lives. You know, it's one thing to read it, but it, it's useless if that's all we do. But applying those lessons to our lives, and some of those lessons are hard. We talked about some of them last week. Loving your enemy? What? Accepting outsiders, people that are different from us? What? That's, that's, that's hard sometimes for anybody. But trusting him, if I'll do this, life will be better for them and for us. Trusting his authority and his power to heal and give purpose to our lives and then and then telling others about him so that they can experience the healing power of Jesus too let's pray father I thank you for Jesus and for man uh, so such powerful teaching you know and it wasn't it really wasn't words uh, in this story it was just what he did Jesus taught so much by just his actions, he just, he just loved people. And we see from his examples how he loved people. And then we, we, we see, okay, that's the way I must love people, the way he did. And sometimes it's, it's not easy. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. Uh, but Lord, help us to trust Jesus like the centurion and, and the leper did. To trust his authority, to trust his power to know that he has our best interest in mind and other people's best interest in mind, and just do it. And then once we do it, Lord, we'll see, hey, it wasn't so hard, and it was better. It is better. So, Lord, help us to learn from his teaching, from his example, to be like him. We ask all this in his name. Amen.